0: Alex Martins is the Chief Executive Officer of the Orlando Magic, a position he has held since 2011. He began his career with the Magic in 1989 as the team's Public Relations Director and became the team's COO in 2006. Alex Martins led the Magic as the Team won Sports Facility of the Year in 2012 at the Sports Business Awards. Amway Center was actually a nominee in back-to-back years and then won in 2012. But Alex Martins has a deep history in sports. He started as an assistant in Villanova's Sports Information Department and had stints at Georgetown, the New Orleans Hornets, and the Cleveland Browns before joining the Orlando Magic in his current position. And he joins us on SBJ Factor, presented by Allied Sports. Alex Martins, great to have you with us today.
1: Thank you, Abe. It's always great to be with you.
0: Well, you know, we start the I Factor, as you know, about people's, I would say, journey. So I'd love to hear about your youth and how that influenced your career path in the sports business.
1: Well, Abe, you know, I'm a first-generation American. Uh, My parents uh, were born in Portugal, and uh, they came over to this country right before I was born. And so, uh, you know, that experience uh, really... Was, was the building blocks you know for my career overall first generation to go to college in my f- entire family and first generation uh, you know to graduate from college so i think it was all about hard work growing up you know and i learned that from my parents uh working hard working hard for everything um that that you accomplish Uh, And that led me, you know, ultimately to to work hard in school, work hard in high school, and and to get into uh, and graduate from Villanova. Um, and, And Villanova was a great influence on my life, not just because of the education that I received there, but also it really influenced my entry into the sports business.
0: So where did you grow up? And Your parents, they landed where in the United States?
1: Uh, They landed just outside of Newark, New Jersey. So I grew up in a little town outside of Newark called Kearney, uh, a soccer town. Uh, Some people may, from a sports perspective, remember Tony Miola and some of the U.S. soccer players that came from Kearney. Uh, I went to the small Catholic high school there, Um, 27 in my graduating class. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Only nine of us were were males. Uh, So it was a real small school. Uh, but uh, in a small town as well.
0: Did sports play a role in your youth and your life? And were your parents sports fans or was there any sports fandom in the Martins family? Well, there was
1: sports fandom coming from Europe, uh, particularly with my father in soccer. Right. Um, And he was a big soccer fan and, you know, followed, um, you know, the Portuguese soccer league, etc. But growing up, I was a big sports fan. Um, you know, following really all types of sports, you know college sports, professional sports, I played soccer myself you know through my middle school years and my high school years uh, and also you know participated in our other high school sports teams as manager of the basketball team and manager of the baseball team, et cetera. So I was involved in sports growing up
0: and then at Villanova, talk a little bit about. What you studied, Alex, and how that, I know you worked in the SID department, but how, when did the vision that you wanted to work in sports business really come to fruition?
1: Well, Abe, I went to Villanova because of the business school. You know, I had no intention of going there to get started in a sports career, really didn't have my eye on getting into a sports career at that time. But I was on a federal work study program. So I had to go to the work study office when I first arrived on campus and find a job on campus to fulfill, you know, my federal work study program. And so I go to the office and, you know, I look on the board and there's a, a job in the sports information office, you know, um, in, in the athletic department. I said, Wow, that'd be fun. You know, I'm a sports fan and you know, I can help them out, you know, in the sports information office, learn about sports a little bit more. And I did that for my entire time that I was there at Villanova, but the key was that, you know, I started working closely with the men's basketball program in my late sophomore, early junior year. And long story short, Villanova wins the national championship in 1985 in, in basketball in my junior year. And that was the spark that really got me going in terms of wanting to work in the, in the sports business.
0: And for those that aren't familiar with that team, talk, just just mention briefly that Raleigh was a coach, right, Massimino?
1: Ali yeah. Massimino was the yeah. coach, and, yeah. and that was that was the famed, almost perfect national championship game, right? So we were playing, you know, our, our bitter rivals in Georgetown in the national championship game. Huge, huge underdogs. Uh, and long story short, Villanova shoots over 70% from the field that day, um, you know, led by the likes of Ed Pinckney and Harold Jensen and Dwayne McLean and Gary McLean and, you know, several others. And uh, it was a magical night. You know, it was it was quite incredible. And the other added uh, sort of storyline for me personally was one of the other things that I did at Villanova was you know that I worked at the student radio station, and a lot of times I would broadcast you know the sports games you know on the student radio station. Well, I actually got to broadcast the national championship game in 1985 for the student radio station, yeah. uh, which was another added thrill that night. Uh, at Rupp Arena in Lexington, Lexington Is,
0: Kentucky, I, right? I, I was going to ask you where it was. I, I forget. I remember watching the game vividly, and like you said, it was almost like basketball clinic, and I didn't know that it was 70% shooting, but it's like the Villanova Wildcats didn't make one mistake that game. That's
1: right. I mean, it was it was really one of the, the perfect games in, in college basketball history and college championship history. And like I said, huge underdogs against Georgetown. That was the Patrick Ewing team, yeah. of course, oh, yeah. right? And uh, it was a magical night for sure.
0: And, and, and you say, Alex, that that kind of gave you the bug, kind of, hey, I, I like this business. I like to stay in it. So talk a little bit about some of the key decisions um, that led you on your journey and kind of the, the stops in your journey.
1: Well, you know, the key decisions, and again, you know, I, I learned this during my time at Villanova and working with the Sports Information Office, relationships are incredibly important in, in my world. You know, I think they should be for everyone and um, the relationships that I built during my time working in the Sports Information Office were really the building blocks for my career. So I worked for uh, Craig Miller, who I'm sure a lot of people know, worked a long time for USA Basketball, just recently (laughs) retired in the last couple of years. He was the Director of Sports Information there at Villanova. And uh, the gentleman who was his assistant, Dave Kosky at the time, uh, left there to become the PR Director of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, so, when I graduated from Villanova, I didn't immediately have a job in the sports industry. So, you know, Dave contacted me and he said, come work for us on game nights at the 76ers. You know, be an intern for us at the 76ers and continue to sort of gain your experience. So, you take that experience of, you know, working part time and as an intern with the 76ers. Well, fast forward a couple of years later, and I'm at Georgetown you know, working in a full-time capacity as the assistant sports information director at Georgetown. And I get a call from Dave and Dave says, Hey, Pat Williams, who was our general manager at the time in Philadelphia, when I worked there, uh, is going down to Orlando. You know, he's successfully gotten an expansion franchise for the city of Orlando, and he's starting to interview for his staff. And I gave him your name to interview for the PR director's job. Um, so, you know, I." interviewed with Pat. I interviewed with Jack Swope, uh, his, his assistant at the time. And uh, long story short, you know, I end up uh, getting the job uh, and at the age of 25, becoming the youngest PR director in the NBA.
0: And that was in 1989 when he took when he got that job. Uh, right. but it, it, those other stops, Alex, were great because when you were interning with the 76ers, probably making very little or no money, uh, but you you loved it. And then Georgetown, what a fantastic campus, a great city, a great athletic program to be part of. So those are very, very, I would say, formulative stops early in your career.
1: Without a doubt. Um, you know, they, they definitely were, as I say, sort of the foundation, the building blocks for my career, and got to work with some incredible people. You know, by the way, you know, at the 76ers, you know, with Pat Williams, yeah. you know, and, you know, one of the legends, legends. in the business, right. Legend, yeah. And then, you know, worked with the men's basketball program at Georgetown. So, you know, worked with John, John Thompson, Thompson, you know, yeah. and, uh, at the time, uh, Dikembe Mutombo was on that team. Um, and actually, uh, coach Thompson also, while I was there was the head coach of the USA basketball, uh, world championship team. So I got to work very closely you know, with that program you know, when Coach Thompson was coaching that team as well. So all real building blocks, great programs, I got great experience, uh, got to work with legends in the business mm-hmm. and, and really learn and, and develop even more relationships.
0: And just a couple of, before we move on, like that Sixers team I bet probably had Barkley uh, at that time or not? Or-
1: so, so the interesting thing about Barkley uh, is that, you know, one of my uh, duties, you know, as, as an intern, as a part-timer, was to keep Charles out of trouble. Um, so I became very close with Charles, you know, a relationship that is, you know, strong today. Uh, Charles and I, you know, have, have stayed very close over the years. Uh, but, it, you know, we were rookies at the same time in the NBA.
0: Fun. I mean, that was an interesting team because you had doctor kind of sunsetting. Or, or retiring and he had Charles coming in and they actually built a pretty interesting team there in those early years. And then of course, if people don't know the story of Pat Williams and everything he did to get an expansion team in Orlando, that alone was an amazing story. And then you were there in the, in the early days, but then you also had some, you had some other stops, Alex, even before you returned to Orlando, like I said, Cleveland was a, was a big part of your life as well.
1: Without a doubt. You know, I had been with the, with the magic, uh, just about 10 years. Had worked my way up in the organization, you know, always wanting to learn, always wanting to grow, always wanting to take on more responsibility. So during my time with the Magic, you know, after you know serving the early years as the PR director, went into you know overseeing broadcasting, then ultimately, you know, before I left, was the interim vice president of marketing, uh, and was recruited away, uh, you know, to to Cleveland when the Browns were coming back. You know, of course, we all know when they moved to Baltimore, there was a lapse there of, uh, you know, football in Cleveland. But the team came back under the ownership of Al Lerner and his family, and uh, he hired Carmen Policy, you know, to be his CEO. And by that time in my career, I obviously was, um, you know, very integrated into the business, really watched those that were successful uh tried to gain insights and inspiration and you know from those that have been successful in the business. And one person at that point in my career that I had always sort of hoped to work for was Carmen Policy. Of course Carmen was the longtime CEO of the 49ers, won five Super Bowl championships, you know, with with the 49ers. Uh, so this opportunity, you know, came up to to work very closely with Carmen in Cleveland uh, as the senior vice president of uh, community and public affairs. And overseeing, you know, broadcasting and some other things, you know, that I had the experience in. Of course, the PR team, um, and that was a great time in my career because I got to see a different perspective on how a different league is operated as compared to the, the NBA. You know, having sent, spent a, a decade in the NBA and now having the opportunity to work in the NFL and to work for someone as experienced and successful as Carmen, it really gave me a different perspective. On team operations and and how leagues operate differently, um, something that I have always said benefited me when I came back to the Magic. You know, because by the time I came back to the Magic, we had, you know, the team had been, um, you know, operating for close to two decades, but in some senses, doing things very similarly to the way that we had always done them. And that experience in Cleveland really helped me to come back to Orlando and say, hey, you know, there's a different way of doing this. And perhaps we could be a lot more successful if we did it in a different way than we've accustomed, been accustomed to doing it in Orlando. And that experience really helped me to sort of relate back to the changes that needed to be made in order for us to be successful you know, in Orlando.
0: We'll return to this great conversation after a quick break. So let's talk about that because you've seen a lot of change at the Magic. And, of course, you know, the Amway Center is just one of the many accomplishments surrounding the team that you have really led. So, like, you you've talked about this thread of coming back and wanting to make change. What are some of the changes that you're most proud of and point to today?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, a, a sales mindset. You know, I, I think, you know, very early on um, with the Magic, uh, although it took a lot of effort by Pat and his team, to get those season ticket deposits, to be able to gain the NBA's approval, you know, to to get the expansion franchise here in Orlando. But once that team was formed and once we started playing, it was over a decade before we really had to sell tickets. I mean, we had a season ticket base that was incredibly strong. And, you know, basically we were opening the doors, you know, and those season ticket holders remained with the team for a long time. But as time went on and, you know, certainly after the Shack and Penny years, um, you know, there was really the need to start selling tickets, really start, you know, focusing on sales and marketing. Um, and th- those were some of the things that certainly, you know, I was able to gain from my time away and bring back, you know, in order to lead a more focused sales effort um, at The Magic. And then, you know, similarly, a lot of the experiences that I gained uh, there in Cleveland and also, you know, in my stop in in, in uh, New Orleans with the Hornets, you know, we when I first got to Cleveland, we were still in the process of building the new Cleveland Brown Stadium. So that experience certainly helped me uh, because it was really my first construction project in the business, you know, and, and being associated with that and observing how that, you know, was successfully built to be able to lean upon that later, you know, in my career um as i came back you know to the magic and one of the very first um responsibilities that was put in my hands was to lead the effort to try and gain approval of uh, a a city-owned a new city-owned arena that we would play in as part of an an overall venues package here in orlando for a new performing arts center a refurbishment of the of the citrus bowl um and so you know all of that experience in cleveland and and, in new orleans helped you know, as I had to take on that responsibility of leading the effort, you know, to building what became the Amway Center.
0: God, you touched on so much there. I mean, because you're right in those early days of the magic, they were the show, right? And they were the show in town. Of, right. And now the, the city changed so much over the years. There was more competition for the entertainment dollar and things sure. became more competitive. And you're one of the few who really has seen so many, um, you know, your background in terms of new buildings and seeing how important they are. So you come to it with a mindset of, I would say, facility development. And even in your office, it looks like this is this is your new facility that recently opened. It's really seen as almost the jewel uh, of NBA training centers and the Advent Health Training Center. Center, and that's Kitty Corner, if I understand it correctly, to the Amway Center.
1: That's right. Um, and again, you know, this is you know a, another sign of the change of our business. Abe, you know, when when we first started playing in 1989, and we were joking with Jeff Turner, who who does our television games and was on that original 1989 team, we practiced in the downtown Orlando Recreation Center. Wow. And our our players were in a locker room with metal lockers. And they only had half a locker, you know, one player on the top, one player on the bottom. And they had to empty out their lockers every night because that evening, the fire department or the police department would be having their rec league and use the same locker room. Okay. And now we walk into, you know, what, what is really a palace, you know, here at the Advent Health Training Center. And it's a real signal of, you know, how the business has grown, how the business has changed. And there there's so many variables as to how this business has changed over the years, whether it's, you know, the original staff that I was on in 1989 had 30 people on it. Today at the Orlando Magic, we employ over 300 full-time employees. Okay. So from that perspective to how our facilities have changed, the old Amway arena, you know, was really just a public assembly facility. One concourse, four main restrooms, one in each corner of the building. And, you know, about 10 concession stands and that's it you know and now we've developed into premium products and obviously in a you know a very important hospitality approach you know to our games and the service levels have risen dramatically you know at sporting venues um, and similarly you know with the competitive venues this venue here is a hundred thousand square feet we have two full basketball courts plus two shooting courts our former facility, which was in the old Amway Center, only had one court and was about 75,000 square feet. Wow you know so yeah. uh, drastic changes in our business over the course of that time for sure.
0: Which I love to see, you love to see the progress there. and you know when I visited you, I see how sports is at the epicenter of progress in downtown. Orlando and the city, and you see that as you go into the city, and you and I have talked about your plans for a sports and entertainment district as part of a a revitalization of Orlando, and that's been in progress, and it's really starting to make progress. It's going to remake the downtown.
1: Well, without a doubt, Abe. So, you know, first it started with the Amway Center, right? And we moved the Amway Center from, um, you know, an area that was about six, seven blocks away Mm -hmm. Into what was the most underserved area of, of Orlando, the Paramore community, uh, and that was really the beginnings of it all. Now, just you know, a, a mile down uh, Church Street, of course, was the Citrus Bowl already. So now we've got the anchors. We've got the Amway Center at one end of Church Street, and the Citrus Bowl at the other. Um, and you know, little by little, we're starting to fill in the entire district. You know, then. Comes along Orlando City, okay, and Orlando City builds Exploria Stadium right between the two, a block away, you know, from the Amway Center. And then, as you mentioned, the Advent Health Training Facility is now a block away uh, from Exploria Stadium. It's catty corner to the the uh, the Amway Center. And then there's this plot of land right outside of the front door of the Amway Center, right outside of you now the front door. Of the Advent Health Training Facility, eight and a half acres, uh, where we intend, with our our development partners, to build, you know, a full sports and entertainment district, uh, to include a hotel, uh, some residential, uh, an office building, where ultimately the Orlando Magic headquarters, you know, will be in the future, um, as well as a music venue, uh, you know, from one of the top, uh, you know promoting companies, music promoting companies in the nation, in the world. Uh, And then a mixture of sports and entertainment type retail, some restaurants, you know, maybe one of these new modern bowling facilities and the like. Um, So, you know, that's starting to come to fruition um, along with our development partners. um, You know, we're we're planning on being in the ground uh, by the third quarter of, of 2023 Okay. And the intention is to have the entire development completed by the end of 2025, which will really bring a whole revitalization effort you know, to downtown. Because now all of a sudden, it's not just about event days. It's not just about game days. This is a, a venue, a, a development that will operate 365 days a year and won't necessarily have to even rely upon games or concerts you know, in any one of the sporting venues
0: think of the energy that that will bring to that area. And there's already, like you said, those foundational pieces, and this will really, really amplify all that. And as a team, you're able, or as an organization, you're able to monetize that in a lot of different ways. So, I mean, talk a little bit about what you think you can do in terms of new businesses or new monetization areas that you can get into.
1: Well, we certainly look and hope to, you know, get into, you know, new categories and and new partners that, perhaps haven't touched the sporting venue in the Amway Center, but are in the entertainment space or in the restaurant space, in the hotel space. And, you know, we will oversee all of the uh, sales of, of any of the um, signage, et cetera. You know, I mean, it'll be a very dynamic development with, you know, a lot of video display and a lot of interactive signage and uh, the Magic will be responsible for the sales of all that. So we certainly hope that that opens a lot more doors than, than that have been open to us in the past. And we are able to grow that partnership base, which we've been quite successful at, you know, in the Amway Center, but grow that even further, you know, with these uh, other categories that we may not have been touching before.
0: And I believe it's been reported that, is the plan though to, to, to sell naming rights to the, to the buildings uh, or to the complex?
1: We're certainly going to, you know, look, look at that, you know, and, and see if there's an opportunity to do that. I mean, we don't have a name, you know, for the complex at all. So, um, you know, naming rights obviously is, is you know, part of our, our world and part of our business. And, uh, you know, we've been through that process before and, and uh, we'll be through, through it again. And, um, you know, certainly naming rights is something that we're going to look very closely at there.
0: So before we move on to more about you, feel good about the business, Team is playing better. You, well, it's, it's a process, but I know yeah, that you have right. some pieces uh, to the foundation of the team for the on-the-court product, but certainly off the court you have to feel really bullish about the, the future of the organization.
1: Without a doubt, Abe. Um, you, know, we've, you know, even before sort of this young group of players that, you know, is, is starting to come along uh, on, on the court. Um, We've had great success since the end of the pandemic um, in in selling, you know, uh, our our team and selling our building. Um, I think, as we've seen throughout the entire industry, premium product is incredibly hot. And, you know, people want any type and all types of premium products. And uh, that's reflected in our sales at the Amway Center. We've sold more multi-year suite licenses in the last 18 months at the Amway Center uh, than we have in the last 10 years is
0: that right um,
1: yeah and and similarly for other premium products we're sold out of all of our courtside uh, seats for the first time in a decade again you know premium product is, is hot and so we've been real successful in that we're we're having a very good year at the gate um you, you may know that you know before the pandemic for four consecutive years we as a team led the nba in group ticket sales selling over 4,000 group tickets uh, a night and once again, we're, we're back up at the number one spot this year, uh, right in that same number of about 4,000 tickets a night um, you know, to groups and leading, leading the league in group ticket sales. So a, a lot of great business happening with the team, and it's just going to continue to get better as these young players that we're starting uh, to see emerge on our team uh, get better and, and start to win.
0: Well, it's good uh, encouraging news on group sales because group sales seem to be the last thing to come back you know, right. after COVID. Um, well, we're gonna get into some quick hitters here about okay. you. Uh, what I've always admired about you, and you and I have talked about this, you came up from the PR side and v- not very few, but generally the CEOs are coming from the business side. Many of them are lawyers. Uh, many of them have their MBAs from Harvard. I've always admired that like you're, you're I'm like one of you, like a, a writer a storyteller, you come up from the PR side, how did you do it and other tips for people on the communication side who want to be in your job?
1: Well, it's it starts with hard work, yeah. you know, and, and it, it really, you know, I, I've i always worked hard, you know. Um, early in my career, didn't have much of a personal life. I mean, that led to the fact that, you know, I didn't get married until later in life. I didn't get married till I was 40 years old, okay. Um, okay. so, really had focused a lot of my time and effort, you know, on my career and building my career and working hard. And um, so hard work, first and foremost. Secondly, you have to approach this like you're a lifelong learner. Okay. There's a lot of things that I'm doing today that we're doing today as an organization that didn't even exist in 1989, you know, in sport. Uh, The business, as you know, since that period of time has grown tremendously, you know, and, and, uh, just look at the value of our teams. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the DeVos family bought the Orlando Magic in 1991 for $89 million. Well, we know what the values are today. The average, you know, NBA franchise is valued at over $2 billion, right? So the business has changed tremendously. Um, so you have to be a lifelong learner. You have to adapt. You know, you have to constantly innovate. Um, And I think those are the kind of things that I've really focused on. Uh, And we said it earlier, but in my opinion, success in life is about relationships as well. Mm -hmm. You know, building great relationships within, outside of the business, you know, to help you grow yourself, grow your business. Um, And then, you know, I've always professed, and you know, I tell young people in the business this all the time, you need a personal board of directors. Mm. You know, you need a group of five or six people that you can rely upon, that you can get advice from, that you can bounce things off of. And believe me, all of us in this business, we want to help young, you know, executives coming up in the business out so that they can be successful. So if someone ever asks me to be on their personal board of directors, I absolutely say, of course, you know, I I want to help you. You know, I want to help you grow your career. I want you to be successful. And I think everybody should have that you know people who are in this business, different segments of our business uh, that you know can help them grow and, and can give them advice.
0: that also re- reflects your standing in the Orlando community, Alex, where you're very active. you're on number of boards, but it's not just be- since you become CEO, you've probably been very active in that community from from the time you were there and I think that's certainly uh, led to your, Giving back, but also led to you learning from other industries, and probably informed your your style and your decision making.
1: Without a doubt, babe. yeah. You know, I, and you're right. You know, I have uh, I have been on a number of different boards. Uh, you know, from the early days of of being here in Orlando, whether it was the very first board that I was on at the Coalition of the Homeless, or working my way through, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and the economic partnership, ultimately being chair of those boards, and now today, you know, being chairman of the board at the University of Central Florida. um, You gain a lot of experiences from that. Look, I mean, people who are on my personal board of directors that I rely upon uh, for advice and and bouncing ideas and, and concepts off of, you know, three of them are former presidents of the Walt Disney World Company, you know, so... You know, and all of that came from interactions that I had with them on boards, you know, here in Orlando. So it's an important component. Um, you know, for me, it's about giving back. It's about being uh, a leader, you know, here in our local community. But I've benefited from all of that tremendously as well.
0: All right, management style. How? What? What's it like? How do you lead?
1: Well, uh, I you know, I like to lead with empathy. Um, I certainly like, to be a motivator. Um, and, and, and I would say that my approach is you hire great people, let them do their job, hold them accountable and you help grow them. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I see part of my role as a teacher, you know, in, in helping develop, you know, our young executives. And I take great pride in, you know, many of our senior executives that, um, you know, are here at the Orlando Magic, I've mentored over the years, you know, whether it's a Charlie Freeman or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an Audra Romao who's the head of, you know, our head of uh, HR uh, and, and, you know, Michael Ford, you know, our, our head of sales, et cetera. Part of my role, in my opinion, is helping our young executives grow. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's about being, you know, a, 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 a good leader in uh, being empathetic, you know, giving them advice, holding them accountable, and ultimately building a team that's gonna work very closely together.
0: On the flip side of that, when you're hiring for a position, it's generally gonna be for a top level position. They've generally been vetted pretty well before they sit down with you, but you're sitting down with an applicant, across the table. What do you look for? What's, what's a red flag?
1: Well, first and foremost, I look for character. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've always been a believer that we can teach the specialized skills of our business to anyone who has the right character, the right attitude, and and the right desire to be great, you know, and as, as long as they have that approach, we can teach them all the specialized skills, in my opinion. You know, I'd rather have someone uh, who has a very high level of uh, emotional intelligence, as opposed to, you know, book smarts, right? Because if you have a high level of emotional intelligence, then we can help mold you into what a successful Orlando Magic employee is like, okay? So, you know, high character, high emotional intelligence, strong desire to be successful, um, strong desire to be part of a team. You know, the red flag for me is, you know, someone who is all about themselves and not about the team. Okay. And if, you know, if I get that sense that, you know, this is all about me and not about we, then, you know, that is a red flag for me when we're going through the hiring process. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll tell you about hiring, you know, I, one thing that I've always professed to, and, and we try to do here at the Orlando Magic, I mean, I always believe in you hire s- slowly and you fire quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. You take the time to, you know, vet your candidates and and we go through multiple layers here. You know, anybody who gets hired by the Orlando Magic, you know, has gone through a pretty rigorous process, okay? And the other side of the coin is if you're not working out or if you're not working within the team atmosphere, you know, we have to make that decision to fire quickly because it it's just going to continue to snowball and get worse and worse over time.
0: I would say that the and, and Ability to read someone's intent that it's all about them rather than about the team. Hard to do, but you can probably get a sense of that over a point of a couple of conversations.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. that's part of that, that process of hiring slowly. Uh, slowly, yep, yep. Oh.
0: All right, my last one that I need you to finish this statement, please. The sports okay. industry needs to do a better job of? Hiring employees.
1: Hiring employees that look more like our fan base. And in that I'm saying we need to do a better job of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're doing it, a better job of it today than ever before, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm proud of the fact, for example, that we've got so many you know, black head coaches in the NBA, but across the industry, that's not the case. And uh, I think it's also not the case uh, across our front offices. I know we can do a better job at the Orlando Magic, and we've been very focused on it more and more over the last several years. Uh, but you know, people of color in our front office need to be of greater number than they are today, and and we're focused on that. We need to do it, but we, I think we need to do it across the entire industry. Um, and then, if I if you give me a second opportunity, I would say we're doing a better job of hospitality today than ever before in our industry, but we still need to do a much better job of it. I mean, we need to give more, not less. Okay. The experience needs to be one that is better than any other entertainment experience that anyone ever has. Okay. And I think in a lot of cases we're doing that and we are doing it better than ever before, but I think as an industry, we can still do a better job of that.
0: I love that point because I will still say sometimes going to a sports event is not the easiest, most intuitive experience, uh, for anybody, uh, let alone for families. Uh, so I, I totally agree with you there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, we, uh, we need to learn from other industries too. And I know we are, we are, you know, you but know. We, we still, we still need to do a better job.
0: But you have certainly uh, seen so much change. And like you said, we, as a, as a sports industry, we've made tremendous progress. We are really de facto industry leaders in American society in terms of the way we do things. But to your point, there's a lot of areas we can do a lot better. But Alex Martins, you've had an incredible career, still very young, But the journey already has been so, so impressive and you've touched so many different markets, so many different people, so many different levels of, I would say, leadership. So uh, for SBJ's iFactor, we love having you on because you, like I said, led the magic in winning sports facility of the year at the Sports Business Awards in 2012. We wish you continued success. We will talk to you down the road.
1: Thanks very much, Abe. Thanks for having me.